companies were obsessed with gathering data so that they could increasingly personalize things for their consumers, almost pushing consumers into their own own worlds. But now I feel like we're moving back to this a sense among brands that they want to take more ownership of what that world is because they realize that that's what people are looking for is like a consistent, very clear world. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for our kickoff episode of Valtech Cafe of this year. I am Lina Sarate, strategist at Valtech, and I am with François Agel, VP Consulting Services, and Daniel Grigsby, one of our creative technologists. Hello to you both. Great to be here. Hi. Hello. So, Daniel, before we get into it, what does a creative technologist actually do? How do you explain what you do to, to your grandmother? Yeah, that's <laughs> always really difficult, actually, but um, it's particularly difficult because a lot of people have different ideas of what a creative technologist does, and they're yeah. often equally valid, but the way that I think about it is in contrast with an engineer, like a software engineer. Okay. Whereas an engineer might build infrastructure as a tool, I feel like a creative technologist often uses infrastructure to build experiences. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's helpful to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a no, way of no. thinking about it. <laughs> yes, for sure. It's just that today there are a lot of n- new roles and new titles happening as technology evolves. And as I think in our industry, uh, you see a lot. Mm-hmm. We're very happy to have you here. And you too, Francois. Thank you. Uh, thank you for joining us in our white, snowy uh, Montreal today. Uh, we're in our studio. And so what we will explore today together is how brands are in a race to reimagine the shopping experience and, and the notion of how experiences are making the difference. Uh, so I know that you both went to NRS in New York earlier this month, which is one of the largest retail conferences. So I think it is exciting to hear what uh, maybe what key players are up to and from what you saw at NRF and from your experience, um, what do you think that great brands are are aspiring to do uh, to differentiate themselves uh, when it comes to great shopping experiences? Great question. So we saw... You know, three great themes that that came up in discussion uh, continually when we were either at the booth or during conferences, particularly one conference uh, that that gave us sort of a good bucket list. One is the experience of shopping beyond buying and sort of how those two things happen at completely different possibly times, different places, and in a completely different mindset. The second point is um, how how customer experience today is the actual brand. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not a function of the brand. It's not necessarily just a function of marketing. It actually defines what a brand is. Mm -hmm. And the third point is the use of technology as an expression of a brand's imagination. And obviously, that'll be in in Daniel's turf for sure as a creative (laughs) technologist. Uh, But we saw great examples, obviously, used a lot in either flagships or Mm -hmm. pop-up stores and so on. Uh, But how can we actually leverage that technology as well? Why don't we start with that first point? So shopping, you know, beyond buying. I mean, um, in, in past years, you know, the, the entire discourse was you know, very much so towards data, 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 unified view of the customer, mm-hmm. unified, unified view of the products. And, and obviously, this still exists. It's still there. But I think it's widely accepted that this is no longer a, you know, an exploratory field. It's really um, sort of a given, and, and brands yes. have to have this. Um, but there's also this, and, and at the same time, there was this very heavy leaning towards um, e-commerce. So bring everything mm-hmm. online. Online is going to take over the physical world and so on and so forth. I think brands have now 
realized um, for sure, and not only brands, but obviously, you know, technology companies and and um, agencies have also realized. Oh, by the way, shopping actually still happens in stores, yeah, and, for and there's sure. still a lot of foot traffic. So there's this return of the mm-hmm. physical space. Um, and the questions that come with it, right? Yes. It's not the same experience as you know, possibly we would have had in the you know 80s or 90s. Um, that retail experience has changed. Yeah, physical space for sure matters. Absolutely, and 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 the tech world still wants to. And I think that you know back to that sort of data question as well. Is the question is no longer what do I do online? Is now how do I bring this offline data um, back to my online exactly. you know, attribution modeling and so on and so forth? So we saw you know a, a bunch of geo tracking tech, whether it's through security cameras, uh, mm-hmm. um, recognition, movement recognition, Wi-Fi sensors, a mix of all those technologies together were definitely there. But also more importantly, sort of what does our store stand for, and why are we? Mm-hmm. You know, what What should we do with our stores now that arguably we should no longer care where that buying experience happens. Rather, we should really care about what type of shopping experience do we push forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the good examples with that was Selfridges in, in the UK, who's been, you know, always on the forefront of of sort of innovation. They were, you know, one of the first stores to showcase um, a TV when when it launched. They were, uh, they had a full-on monoplane in the store uh, when uh, when planes were being invent- invented at the beginning of last century. And today, um, Selfridges UK has a skateboarding bowl. They have comedy clubs. Uh, they have a slew of restaurants, DIY workshops, yeah. and so on. So I think that's probably the epitome of, of mm-hmm. sort of how to define a physical space as an expression of what your brand stands for as opposed to a place where you just try to get consumers to buy more and more and more more all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Or where you're just focused on trying to get consumer data, but is thinking beyond, okay, I know that in my physical space, I want to gather this data and what else? What else do I have to offer and what else do I have uh, to bring to people when they're in my my space? Absolutely. One of them is, you know, the data piece is also an imperative. It's there and it's an imperative for management Mm -hmm. um, and, and to really understand, you know, where you're retail brand is going and where your your buying experience is going uh, but really that other lens that is really truly customer centric of mm-hmm. you know what how does a consumer feel when they get into my store how yeah. do they perceive my brand mm-hmm. um, and how will they associate to to my brand as well yeah and I'd say not only when they are in the store but also how this in-store experience is associated with the rest of the experience with the brand whether it is online uh, whether it is uh, whatever other touch points that you may have with it so also how whatever you're offering offline is also um, in line with what you're offering online yeah it seemed what was interesting to us being in the booth, because we were at the Valtec booth for a few days, was that a lot of the responses to what we were showing was more uh, positive because it was about the experience, not Mm -hmm. because we were offering something that was clearly about experience primarily. Mm -hmm. And then there was almost the assumption that, yeah, of course, we can use that to collect data. Yeah. But we can already do that, a lot of these brands already feel like they they have that covered. So to to them, the missing piece is, how do I use digital in-store in a physical space uh, to create an experience? Mm. And just to give some context, maybe for people who were not at NRF and didn't see the the Valtech booth, uh, maybe just quickly what the experience was that you're making reference to. 
We had two experiences that we were showing. One was a VR experience, which people love always. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people still haven't tried VR, so there's always a good, you know, handful of people who kind of yeah. go nuts and start crawling on the floor and that kind of thing. <laughs> so that was fun. And then the other one was a computer vision experience, but very, you know, visually subtle. Okay. Um, not particularly in your face in any way. It was really just tracking where you're looking and then activating 3D objects in a 3D space. Um, but what people liked about it, I think, was that it was um, an ambient experience. It wasn't grabbing your attention. It wasn't really digital signage. Mm-hmm. It was more, here's something that's alive, that's part of a space, and can be your your vitrine of your store or something like that on street level, or it can be in-store. And it responds to you in a way that's really subtle but very uh, engaging. It makes you feel like the space is responding to you. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of personalization without getting into all of the heavy aspects of data tracking and all of that stuff, even though we can do that on the back end, but that's not necessarily what they felt was compelling about it. What it was about, yeah, yeah. the interest was about something else beyond mm-hmm. the data gathering. Mm-hmm. I guess that's a good segue for our uh, second point that uh, that uh, you mentioned, which is customer experience is the brand. It is what actually defines the brand. It's not just one aspect. Yeah, and I think that's something that we see in a lot of brands these days, especially the ones that are considered innovative or like they're offering something different. Like we were talking about Patagonia. Patagonia almost distinguishes itself through a different relationship with with shopping itself. Mm-hmm. They they even had a, a campaign where they were encouraging you not to buy a new Patagonia jacket yes. or whatever. So this this whole idea of questioning what shopping is, I think is kind of central to what, what it is that we're talking about, that there's something changing about mm-hmm. what that experience is supposed to offer you. And a super extreme example is this company that I, I love because I, I feel like they're onto something extremely different, which is they're called Lot 2046. And the whole idea is to almost opt out of shopping itself. You subscribe and they provide all of the things that you would need mm-hmm. in your day-to-day life, all of your basic clothes, basic household things, furniture. And they're even getting into like making a trailer where you could live. So basically <laughs> it's a subs- subscription service for your life. <laughs> which allows you never to shop again. Which it seems you are considering. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, don't, I mean, I'm, I am subscribed and I find it just <laughs> super fascinating. <laughs> There's a lot of things you could critique about Lot. Like, does it really solve any of the problems that it, it claims to about like fetishizing commodity culture and all of these things? But I think they're on to something new and different about the way people relate to the commodities in their lives. And, and and I think there's a point to be made for, to a certain point, anti-consumerism, right? We were brainstorming with a, a bunch of the Valtic folks and, and, and some, you know, cl- retailers that we were on, on there. And, you know, the one brand that will tell you, oh, by the way, you don't need this product of ours. You need, you know, you may need this one and this one, but as you have all of this in your basket, this one you don't really need. That as a consumer, as a value to the consumer, yes. is actually you know tremendously underrated, and it doesn't have to not be about consuming. It's just it just has to be on brand. I think the important aspect of this is what winners actually uh, do in that sort of field of of customer experience is they're super consistent and they're persistent with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I personally don't like the term. 
pop-up shop. I, I love the term sort of mini retail experience, mm-hmm. whereby it, it's, it doesn't have to be and actually should not be a one-off experience that lasts a couple of weeks. It should be a one-off experience that is available on and off at different places, but mm-hmm. it is very, very consistent with your brand and so on and so forth. You're also seeing it, you know, you've seen it for years in Japan where you can actually pick up your order in vending machine-like uh, uh, contraptions, yeah. right? Um, and this hasn't come yet to to Canada or the U.S., um, but it is coming, right? Mm-hmm. Shop online and then pick up close to uh, or in proximity to either where you work or, yeah. or where you live. And and to do that, to offer that persistent or consistent customer experience that you're talking about, you need to know uh, your customers, you need to know your audience. It's so basic. But I think also that is where in order to draft and craft a, a proper customer experience, this is where a deep understanding of, of that. Yeah. You're still thinking about, you know, lifetime value. You're basically developing the lifetime value of your clientele. And by the way, like I love the Lot 2046 example as well, because simplicity was a theme that was recurring. The consumer in mm-hmm. 2020 is overwhelmed with shopping possibilities. Nobody wants to shop among, you know, 800 choices of refrigerators. They actually want to shop from eight, mm-hmm. not 800. Mm-hmm. So um, this touches on, again, solving a consumer problem, and then and it touches on personalization of the experience as well. So you want to come in and actually have a personalized experience that says, you know, I understand that, you know, you want a refrigerator, but, you know, I, I'm not looking for an industrial size refrigerator that'll take up half my yeah. house. Um, so don't show these items to me. I expect that when I get online or when I get in a store uh, or in a pop-up store or whatnot, that I will be, you know, first and foremost shown uh, what's most relevant. Yeah, and, and studies have shown people are willing to pay more for personalized experiences that are not intrusive. But I, I think there's kind of an interesting relationship between personalization and then this other aspect of brands, like we're, we're talking about the persistence or consistency of these successful brands. And what they provide is a very clear world, a very clear mm-hmm. narrative and kind of like experience, but yes. it's, it's like almost world-like in the same way that a, video, a good video game creates a very coherent, cohesive, Story, persistent yeah. world that has multiple chapters or whatever, but it's always has something really consistent about it. So that's an interesting contrast with the the obsession with personalization that was kind of going on in the last few years. Companies were obsessed with gathering data so that they could increasingly personalize things for their consumers, almost pushing consumers into their own, own worlds. But now I feel like we're moving back to this sense among brands that they want to take more ownership of what that world is because they realize that that's what people are looking for is like a consistent, very clear world. Mm-hmm. Here's my Nike movie. Yeah. Welcome to my... Right. Mm-hmm. You know. um, and, and this actually touches as well, super well to our third point, which is technology as an expression of a brand's imagination, right? Because this is literally the sort of how do you create that world or the, the wireframe for that world, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. There are a lot of aspects to that. I mean... There's, um, especially for digital companies or natively digital companies, like I think of a Microsoft or a Apple or even companies that are making digital experiences, how do you then take that world that you've created and bring it into a physical space? Like that, mm-hmm. that's a huge challenge that uh, technology is now actually catching up to the point where you can make that happen very easily and increasingly affordably. Like you can use projection, floor-to-ceiling, LED, 
and you can literally allow people to walk into a fully digital content space. Mm -hmm. Then there was a, a, an extreme example, which was SKP, that partnered with um, Gentle Monster to create this flagship museum of, of humanity. Their concept was: you're a human, but now humans have colonized Mars, and we've you know we've evolved, so we've created a museum of Earth. And so, obviously, they are still showcasing and selling clothing, really cool clothing, by the way. But you you're also walking through these sort of spaces of like. Here's you know what you what live sheep used to look like mm -hmm. back in the Earth days, mm. quote unquote, right? <laughs> and so they're they're literally pushing this to the extreme. You're on a Mars base if when yeah. you, when you enter that store, but it could be you know simpler, more. It doesn't have to be yeah. you know c completely crazy. Just live streaming is in and of itself a really good use yes. of creating of using technology to 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 create your brand. Another example that we saw was, um, and again we've we've heard a lot about Singles Day and Alibaba. Mm -hmm. um, they last year they had obviously the pre-show, which was entirely streamed on. I think, and don't quote me on this, but I think it was 17 different social platforms, mm -hmm. and you could shop the live stream. Yes, and yeah, and their and their and their pre-sales surpassed the total sales of the previous year. Oh my god! Uh, and those numbers are already astronomical, they right? They are, yeah. Um, but just that actual experience of using live stream as a means to help people shop is really interesting. And obviously, mm -hmm. you had the star power, you had the whole, you know, you know glitz mm -hmm. and mirror ball effect and so on. Shoppable live stream is actually a big thing for social e-com coming this year. Social platforms in uh, in China and Korea and Japan, they're really way ahead of, uh, of some of uh, our social e-com. So, we're seeing more uh, in this part of the world. Yeah, we're seeing brands in Canada right now that are generating, you know, twenty plus percent of their annual sales through Asian uh, uh, social channels. Absolutely. Um, and and it's it's not necessarily rocket science. It's just a sm really smart use of of, uh, of technology. Mm -hmm. Another aspect that we saw a lot of was three D imaging, which is really exciting because obviously we were showing you know, a VR installation for an in-store experience. But now, you know, now that you can take objects, meaning sellable objects, objects and have them scanned and built into 3D objects at scale, this means that that either VR or AR experience, when mm -hmm. it makes sense for the business purpose and when it makes sense for the customer experience, again, it's always those two you know, either yeah. in contradiction or hopefully in line with each other, um, can now be done at scale. So you don't have to spend your time, especially you, Daniel, as a creative technologist, you don't have to spend your time thinking of how do I, you know, how do I build this shirt or this shoe? It's actually scanned at scale. What mm -hmm. you really care about is how do I create this world around that object that makes mm -hmm. sense for the storytelling that we're building that is in line with the brand identity and in line with what I'm trying to get the consumer to feel and experience yeah. as a result. Yeah. yeah, and that it actually, as you say, addresses either a business challenge or, or a consumer need. Correct. I mean, yeah. again, it's always about that, and I'm going back to your comment earlier, Daniel, that when people passed by the, the booth and looked at our experience, our VR experience, you know, obviously we made a point to tell them, oh, by the way, we have analytics in the back of it. We can actually match to, you know, um, loyalty programs and POS mm -hmm. data and so on and so forth. And they went, you know, most of them went, yeah, yeah, great. So, you know, what about that customer experience? Mm -hmm. um, I think one of them is a given. Uh, um, 
and I think that was a good example as well in that 3D environment to, to yeah. where, where there was a, a true link between that business objective. In this case, you know, saving square footage space for larger objects uh, while still enabling consumers to experience the object. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on the flip side, getting the consumer to, to, to live a unique experience and, and possibly buy the, the thing at the end, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what struck us was the amount of uh, need there seemed to be for partners to provide that experiential dimension that a lot of companies don't necessarily have in in-house yet or they're not willing to make that investment i don't know if the you know it's a size issue or whatever i mean only certain scale a certain scale of company can actually in-house that kind of expertise i guess yeah yeah but, and can you give us an example of a, of a partnership something that you've seen lately that you like or yeah I mean, I think a good example is Microsoft has done a really great job of partnering with um, experiential agencies to help them develop more immersive flagship stores. So their store in New York and in the UK, they've made amazing use of architectural scale LED paneling to create almost like a parallel dimension that exists within the store Mm -hmm. that feels totally natural. And, you know, there are certain things that they haven't done as they haven't gone as far as you could have possibly with, you know, maybe a little bit more interactivity and, and things like that. But the way that they're thinking about their flagship experiences mm-hmm. is really a great way uh, to bridge the physical and the digital by partnering with experiential agencies who are really specialized in that. Yeah. Or also, as uh, maybe what you're saying, also maybe they have the tech, so it's more of also of a content or creativity partnership. So yes, someone exactly. that can bring, you, have may, you may have the data, you may have the tech, and then it's bringing in that, third party to boost the creative aspect or the content aspect specifically. Really, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. To bring really what the concept that you have been discussing, which is the technology as an expression of of the brand or of imagination. Yeah, Yeah, I think like a lot of companies have an easy time thinking about investing in technology. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily have an easy time yet thinking about investing in creative content, yeah. experiential content. And they're really different things. Yeah, Interesting. And I guess it's hard not to ask, is how not to fall into the trap of maybe just developing these cool experiences or just cool stuff just because the technology is there and just because it is cool and not because maybe it is actually solving a business challenge or, or addressing a, a customer need. That's the tougher part is, you know, there's people who will A, be solely concentrated on data, data, data and selling more stuff and selling more stuff. And then there's the opposite of I want a big shiny object because I want a big shiny object. Moving away from just, you know, collecting that data and so on means also just thinking about what do I, what do I have to solve and if does what I have to solve match a customer need? Um, so I need to move more product. Um, what is the, what's the translation of this as a consumer need? Well, mm-hmm. my consumer needs to either better understand my product or they've got way too many choices. I'm going back to simplification. I think that's mm-hmm. huge. We're, we're not simplifying enough. Mm-hmm. Um, or they're coming into a store with, you know, miles and miles of aisles of you know, clothing on coat hangers with special prices, and it screams, you know, put me into your shopping cart, which does not create a good customer experience. So so again, I think it's starting from understanding your business goal and also understanding in parallel, how can I translate this in a a customer or, or consumer need or experience. Yeah, Yeah. so that it serves a purpose and it's just not a a nice, shiny thing that you have. 
I would, and and part of the key is just involve your technology partners and your consulting partners just a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, pr- before what you're thinking you should, when you're thinking you should, right? Involve them earlier, expose to them, and, and be vulnerable with them to a certain extent of like, hey, I've got this consumer need and it's okay to say I'm I'm not sure how to tackle this one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're there for for the most part, yeah. right? Okay. So, how can brands start off if they want to implement some of these points that we that we have been discussing? So, point number one is really beyond tech and marketing is have a clear outline and sort of a clear brief, to be fair, of, of, of who you are as a brand. So, what's your tone? What's your manner? Mm-hmm. What are the topics you care about beyond your products or your services? What are the, the topics that you care about? Is it sustainability? Is it... Um, you know, is it simplicity as with the examples that we talked about? Is it innovation as a Selfridges, for example, or, or just feeling better or, or and so on mm-hmm. and so forth? So what is your personality that will ultimately sort of drive your content? My second point on this one would be if you don't already try to take a step back and understand your customer journey, um, not just digitally, but at all touch points, online and offline. Right. Mm-hmm. Understand when a customer discovers you, uh, when a customer uh, interacts with you online or sees your your storefront. When do they buy, and where do they buy, and how do they buy? Yeah. What do they like about it? And, and also on returns and repeat buying and so on and so forth. So really understanding sort of that, that entire chain. It seems simple. It's not that simple, and and it gives you a whole new depth mm-hmm. into possibilities. Yeah, and so. Like, as brands think about the future, they really have to expand the way they think about the canvas that they're working with and all of the possible touch points that now exist. There's tons of new technology, tons of new ways that people are interacting with the digital dimension of of reality. Digital is not really in screens anymore. It's kind of everywhere. It's mobile. It's it's before you get to the store. It's in the store. And it's after you leave the store. Yeah. We saw we saw a few examples. Um, those battery-less... Bluetooth labels um, that you know for that right now are for just under a dollar, but the goal of the company is really to uh, um, bring that price point down to you know not even a cent each. That without any other hardware can actually help you track and and help you mm-hmm. make a non-digital object a digital touch point. Mm-hmm. To really understand how you know when you pick up an object, there's a signal. Um, again, mm-hmm. camera uh, technology and Wi-Fi technology means movement is now a digital asset you can use, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. I, I love that idea of expanding things, yeah. the canvas because because creatively, you know, your your innovation is no longer about hey, I'm, I want a new app. Yeah, no. exactly. <laughs> and increasingly, it's how do all of these different things function together to create a world that's consistent and coherent? Correct. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Thank you. Thank you, François and Daniel, for for sharing some of your insights and vision with us. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. Uh, It is certainly an exciting moment for retailers as uh, their customer understanding becomes more sophisticated and and as tech evolves. So it seems that we will be seeing some exciting things this year for innovative shopping experiences, uh, whether it be offline or, or online. So please share your thoughts with us through Valtech social media uh, so we keep the discussion going. Thank you.